now in ninth grade, you need to start applying, recording your hours, getting involved in those things. One other thing here that's really cool is uh, Gracie Loker is going to be going on a two-week mission trip. She will leave June 13th down to the DR. Many of us have been there, Harabakoa, and uh, she'll be serving down there for two weeks during the summer, so let's give God praise for that. So she leaves real quick here. Another one of our young people just said, I've got, this is what I'm doing with my summer. I'm going to serve uh, because Jesus has, has spoken to my heart. I want to say to you now, of course, she's working on funding and some of those things. And so if you want to give her a believer's handshake and support towards that as she's prepping physically, spiritually, and financially to get down there for two weeks, uh, it was really, really good. We've been having some conversation. Gracie's also one of our Bible college students. And uh, she finished uh, this first year, not only high school, but her first year of Bible college with straight A's in the Bible college. So very good, right? So good. Now, uh, one last thing that I want to talk about this morning before we get into the sermon is you can see how many kids are involved in our church on a daily basis. Uh, Anne Renee, for the last seven or eight years, has spent uh, a majority of her time during the week at work and on her off time, making sure that all of this is scheduled, curriculum is scheduled, staff is scheduled, meeting with staff, working through issues, planning and all those things. She has done a fantastic job over the last seven years, organizing, illustrating, and getting us all ready on Sundays uh, for what happens with everything that goes on with uh, children at church. Amen? And so let's give God praise for that. We have seen the job that uh, she has been doing, and as an elders, we, we've been praying over that. We feel now as an eldership team that it is time, because of everything's going on, to give that position a fully focused Aspect And so we, as an eldership team, went to Anne Renee and said, would you pray about quitting your job and coming on full-time at FFM to help us uh, coordinate with children, do all the things that happen during the week, to be able to meet with leaders, to further train our staff that's happening, to equip them in every way and those things. Um, to which she promptly said, yes. Everybody say Amen. Um, and so inside of that, what happened was um, her job learned that she would be leaving and immediately offered her double her salary to stay. And so as an eldership team, we looked at Anne Renee and said, we fully understand what's happening. And she said, no, God spoke to my heart. This is what I'm doing. And so Anne Renee, starting the first week of July, will come on full-time staff to help us with this. And so, amen. Great. So we're looking forward to you having that connection to be able to say, how can I help? Where am I at? Where's my schedule? Who's meeting? And those things. And uh, so we, we've been looking good. Um, uh, the elders have some money in our elders fund that we're going to fund her position with for the first six months. And then the advisory council next year is going to be looking at how to fund that through our normal budget in case you're asking how that works this way. Amen. Does that sound good? All right, so that is what's happening. We're excited about all those things. Amen? Everybody say all the things. All the things. It is, it is a great, great uh, day. Sweetheart, I would ask you to hold on to this in case this mic gives us a little trouble today. Um, then we will make some adjustments. Amen?
I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. Children, you can be dismissed now. Yes. Um, How about that? All the parents are like, yes. (laughs) Genesis chapter 39 There has been a message on my heart, uh, something God has been stirring in my spirit since um, uh, the beginning of the year when, as an eldership team, we looked at when are we going to honor our high school seniors and and do our transition from middle school group to high school group and and, uh, those things. And we had picked June 5th, obviously, as um, uh, the date to do that, which is today. And um, no problem, we put that on the schedule. No matter what's happening, that's what's going to happen that day. And so I start thinking and praying towards that particular message. And Joseph has been on my mind as a young man. So in Genesis chapter 1, I want the high school seniors, I want all my high school kids, any of the middle school kids who stayed in today, I want you to pay attention because today is your day. Everybody say, it's my day. God is speaking to us today, and I want you to receive something as the eldership team has spent some time in prayer and conversation over this particular word. So Joshua, I mean Joseph, uh, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard of Egypt, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down from there, and the Lord was with Joseph. Everyone say, the Lord was with him. The Lord Lord was with Joseph. He's a young man, and the Lord was with him. This is something that the Bible testifies immediately about. It's something the Bible puts priority on right away as we begin to think about this story and what God is doing with Joseph, in Joseph, and through Joseph. The Scripture wants us to make certain that we know, first and foremost, God was with him. Hello, somebody. In the world that you and I live in, kids... Young people can often get overlooked for a lot of reasons. Uh, We think they're immature to handle the the current uh, things that are happening. We think uh, they're just too young to deal with some things. We think that they're not uh, um, um, wise enough or smart enough to make some decisions. We, We always see them as not quite there. And so it is easy to overlook young people. God spoke to us as an eldership team to say, make sure you do not become young people's ceilings. And so the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Come on, somebody. He was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Again, and not only can believers or people who love the same God that, that Joseph loves, but The pagans could see that the Lord was with him. The Egyptian master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he had made him overseer in the house, all that he had. The Lord had blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. He blessed the Egyptian's house. 
God blessed the pagan's house. Listen, God blessed someone who worshipped false gods. God blessed pagans. Because one of his young people... One of his young people were there. Listen to me, church. It's right. You can't make this up. The Lord blessed all that he had. So that he left all that he had in Joseph's charge because of him. He had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And to everyone who said... This portion of scripture says it's highlighted in my Bible that Joseph found favor. Joseph found favor. Now, it's not the first time that Joseph found favor. Joseph found favor with his father also. Hello, somebody. So much so that the Bible talks about the problems that the favor that Joseph had found from his father caused inside of the family. Right? And, and Joseph found so much favor with his father that his father gave him a coat of many colors. And it's a popular part. And his, his brothers were so jealous. We know the story. They sold him into slavery. And all of a sudden, Joseph winds up being purchased from the Ishmaelites out of, slave, out of one slavery into another by the Egyptians. And this is where the story picks up. But it still equates that no matter what Joseph has gone through, he has found favor. Now, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes some things that you and I are going through that we think no, that the favor of God has left our life. Right? Like, we're, we're struggling, and if we're struggling this way, then God must be mad at me. If we're struggling this way, then God must not like me. If I'm struggling this way, then I must have done something to upset God, and God has turned his back on me. Why have you forsaken me, God? Look at all this struggling. Listen, he's not just missing a meal, church. Joseph has been abandoned by his family. He has, he has been harmed by his siblings. He has been sold into slavery. And now, instead of being a free man who's living in the favor of his father, he is living as a slave to people he don't know. And yet the Bible says, God is with him. I'm going to say this to us right now. Joseph had it. Come on, young people. We all need it. I'm calling it the Joseph factor. Everybody say Joseph factor. That's what I'm calling it, the Joseph factor. He had it. We all need it, and we need to ask from it. From a young age, what happens here? Joseph believed God had a destin, a destination for him in greatness. Now, I want to say to every young people that's listening in here this morning and everyone who's watching, there is nothing wrong with believing in the call of God on your life. We should, we, should, we should believe in it so much so that that calling begins to guide our life and, and guide the directions of the things that we do in life. The decisions that we make should be based on, hello somebody, that calling. You gotta, if you don't believe in the calling God has on your life, you'll begin to make decisions based on everything else. But it's amazing how your life will change and how direction will soon and automatically appear the moment you say, this is what God has spoken, this is how I'm pursuing it, and the decisions you start to make are based on that. I always say, 
that one decision made is always based on the decision made before it. I'm going to make this statement. It's going to be up on the highlight in a minute. The only thing that leads to tomorrow is today. Hello, somebody. The only thing that leads to tomorrow is today. Now, watch this. We're going to go through this. Joseph believed in the greatness of his calling. He had a dream. And God had spoken to him that he was going to rise to a position of leadership. Young people, Pastor Don is telling you it's okay to dream. It's okay to vision. It gives your life focus. Too many young people are where they are right now, wandering. They're lost, and they're wondering what's next because of a lack of vision, a lack of thought. No one in their life has said, do you know who you are in God? Instead, everyone is saying, hey, if you don't straighten up, you're going to not amount to anything. But what if there's somebody in your life that looks at you and says, do you know who you are in God? Let me tell you who you are in God. You're destined for what God has placed you to, be, to do and be here on this earth. Not tomorrow, but right now. And it's time that we start making today matter if we're going to make tomorrow matter. It's time that we start making today matter if we're going to make tomorrow matter. Young people, you are where you are right now. You're, you're, you're lost and you're wondering what's next because of a lack of vision. And somebody somewhere has got to bring that into focus. Here's, here's the issue. When God gives us vision, it's more to do with where God wants us to go than where we are right now. Come on. That's why it's important to understand that the only thing that leads to tomorrow is today. Are you with me, church? I want, I want all of us to grab it. Listen, you may be old in here, and I may be speaking to some young people, but I know this message is going to speak to your heart. Because, see, the problem is, we, 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 just like Joseph, we, we wonder, is it real? Is it reality? Let me say this. God just spoke to us a message about don't waste your suffering. Here's a young man that, if we know his story, suffered. Did he have some parts to play in it? Maybe, but we always do, don't we? Sure we do. But he didn't waste his suffering. Come on, church. You remember that Red Sea revelation? Don't waste your suffering. Young people, I know there's some things that you're going through, and you're going through some things that we never imagined we would ever have to go through. Amen. You have to deal with some things and process some things in the world that it was so elementary, uh, 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 black and white for us growing up. I, I, hello, somebody. It was, it was wrong or right for us growing up today. You live in a world where nobody wants standards. Nobody wants Legitimacy, nobody wants the truth. Instead, we want to mold the truth so that we get what we want. And you got to process some things that we never had to process. you got to think through some things that we never had to think through, or we couldn't imagine that we would. I love Joseph's life in the sense that he had faith. Yes, he did, but he had faith to prepare. The only thing that leads to tomorrow is today, and so today we have to prepare. Somebody say amen. amen. Too, many, too many Christians have the attitude, and so much of our young people are picking up on it, and they know it's not real. That's why they don't want it. 
We have this attitude that, that faith will fix everything. You just got to have faith. You just got to have faith, right? The faith will make up for my lack of thought. I don't have to think anymore because I got faith. The faith will just make up for my lack of thought. I've got faith, and so faith will just make up for my lack of preparation. Let me tell you why there's so much panic in the world today. Nobody's prepared. We put our faith in everything else except God. And our Christian beliefs and values, the things the Scripture has spoken to us about... And we're not ready. And now there's panic. We're not ready spiritually. We're not ready physically. We're not ready emotionally. We're not ready financially. Because we haven't had faith. We've had faith. We've had faith. We've had faith. And, and it, this whole aspect has turned into prosperity or a feel-good thing. Name it and claim it and all those things. And it leaves us with the ability to think, well, I don't have to have a lack of, I don't have to think. I don't have to prepare. And I, and I want you to understand, I believe there's some young people in the house. I believe there's some young people that you and I know that says, that's hogwash. I need some reality. I want faith, but it's got to be tangible. I believe that. In this critical hour that we live in, all of us live in it, including our young people. In this critical hour, can I just say this to you? Faith and wisdom are not the same thing. They are not. Do I believe a, a person with biblical vision will have uh, of faith? Absolutely. Do I believe a person with biblical wisdom will walk in faith? Absolutely. I always, listen, I'm going to encourage every young people person that's listening and every, every one of us, but especially young people, always attach yourself to something that's bigger than who you are because then you'll have to trust God to get it done. But you've got to prepare to be attached. You've got you've to prepare to be attached. Faith's not a substitute for good common sense. It's not. It doesn't work that way. And so I shared because uh, Gracie Loker and I were having a conversation. And, and she's, she's okay if I share this because it was just a private conversation with the two of us. And I just said, tell me what wisdom is. God, let me just break it down real simple. I shared this with us all. It's simply the ability to discern consequences. That's it. Let's don't complicate it. Let's just say, here it is. My dad is a great man of wisdom. You know why? Because he helped me discern consequences. If you do this, that's what happens. If you do that, that's what happened. And guess what? He was right every time. Do this and it will cause you pain. And I will be the teacher. And he kept his word. Hello, somebody. Do this and you will do well. And he kept his word. Those were the things. See, my dad gave me the idea of discipline because I could trust his word and his wisdom. It was easy to discern consequences with dad. Easy. It's the same thing. If I do this, this happens. If I do that, that happens. I can look ahead and I can see. The consequences of decisions, of actions. 
I once had someone tell me, Pastor Don, if, if, you've got a, if you've got a retirement plan, then you're not walking in faith. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm the first one to admit the last few months, I've wondered if I had a retirement plan or if it was going to be. I'm doing my part. But here's what I told that person. I said, you need to understand something. They said, don't you believe that Jesus could come back at any minute? Absolutely. I also know theologically there's some things that if he comes back at any minute are going to have to happen pretty quick. But I believe that. He said he would come as a thief in the night. I believe that. Well, then you're, you're, you're laying up something for, you're doing all this works for something that doesn't matter. I said, no, what you don't understand is if Jesus comes back today, I'm prepared to go with him. But if he delays and tarries tomorrow, I'm preparing to serve another day. I'm preparing. Hello, somebody. I'm preparing. Amen. Are you with me? I'm preparing. That's wisdom. That's the things you look at. And you make decisions based on those consequences. That's not unbelief. That's actually belief. What's the Joseph factor? The word factor is really cool because the word factor literally means an ingredient that produces a result. Ooh. Watch out, young people. Watch out, church. You're not ready. Y'all not ready for this. What's the ingredient in Joseph's life that produced a desired outcome? Wisdom. The Joseph factor. Wisdom. Watch this. Seven years of famine. Wisdom. Come on. Come on. Seven years of famine. Wisdom. Seven years of prosperity. Come on. What am I doing with my prosperity? Here's what, here's what I'm asking this church and these, your young people. You have spent your life in this church. What are you doing with your prosperity? What you been doing with it? Are you preparing to serve with what you've been given? Have you been laying up some stuff so you can draw from it when it's time? Right? When it's time to draw out of it so that others are blessed because of who you are and what you did and what God is doing in your life. It's not the anointing for the power to cast out devils that made Joseph valuable. Somebody say amen. It's not. That is not what made Joseph valuable. It's not. Listen, what brought him into his position was his wisdom. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 22, 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Proverbs 14, 15, the simple believe every word, but the prudent man looks well, looks well to his going. Verse 16 says, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but the fool rages in confidence. The word evil interpreted as pain or grief or sorrow. Come on, somebody. Could you say that seven years of famine would be pain and grief and sorrow? Yes, we could. Come on, amen. The word fear can be interpreted as wisely considering the consequences. Listen, when I was in school, um, my school used to do fire drills. They still do fire drills in school? You still do fire drills? Right? Like where, you know, this is a drill. The bell's going to go off. Everybody's got to get up. You got to walk in a single file line out of the hall, out into an open field, right? And you got to practice this. And you, we practice this and we practice this, right? And we practice this over and over and over again. There wasn't any fire, but it was preparation based on forethought. 
This could happen, and what are we going to do? In sports world, we like to say the best defense is a good offense. Let's just crush them. Come on. If it's our football team, right, let's just crush them. Let's just hit them. If it's a softball team, let's just crush them. Let's just crush them. The best defense is a good offense, right? That's what we say. And what that means is be proactive. Be proactive to start with, right? So if we're, if we're at the softball field and, and we're not home, let's say we're away but we're batting first, what do we always say? Let's draw first blood. Let's be proactive right here. Let's don't get back on our heels right away. Let's go right away. Let's get four or five right here right away. Be proactive. Be proactive. Go first. Take action. Go first. Take action. This is what I love about our young people in our church. They are tired of waiting on us. They're going first. We're being proactive. So many of them have said, Pastor Don, didn't you tell us we should be obedient? Yes. Do we feel, this is what we feel like God is speaking to us. Should we be obedient? I'm like, man, that... Um, Yes, we should be obedient, right? Like, that's what we should do. But preparation is the best policy. Come on, church. Preparation is the best policy. The ability to discern consequences, that's wisdom. Let me, let me, let me just say this. I'm going to say, let me show this. In April, my wife and I celebrated 30 years. We went to Mexico and, and spent a week in Mexico and, and, and April, in Mexico, in April, in Mexico. It was 85, 90 degrees, the Caribbean Ocean, the sun was shining every day, my bald head got burnt. It was, it was amazing. The food was great, the music was great, the saltwater smell was great, even the seaweed on the beach was great. It was great. It was just great. It was so warm, and I felt like a turtle on a log the whole week, man. I'm just like in the sun. It was time to come home. Hello, somebody. It was time in April to leave Mexico and come to Michigan. Now, in Mexico, I've been in short sleeves and shorts and, and, and believe it or not, flip-flops. Miracles do happen in Mexico. My Pastor Don doesn't wear flip-flops. They, I don't know how you do it. They don't stay on my feet to start with. And I always say any man that's wearing flip-flops is a man that don't plan on doing nothing. Just, if you ever see Pastor Don in flip-flops, don't even ask. I already got plans. What are they? Nothing. I can't walk in them much. Let's do anything in them. I break my full neck. I flip-flops, shorts, short sleeve shirt, tank top sometimes. I was, I was excited. It's time to get on a plane to come back to Michigan in April. In April. I have enjoyed shorts and flip-flops. But here's the problem. I get on that plane in Mexico and land in Michigan in April in shorts and flip-flops. There's going to be issues. My body's going to say, what were you thinking? This ain't Mexico. You ain't in Kansas anymore, Toto. Hello, somebody. This is, what were you thinking? See, wisdom says, while I'm in Mexico, 
I need to think about where I'm going and what's going to happen and what's going to be. And so I put on some long socks. And, my, and it was 85 degrees in Mexico. We're headed to the airport. I've got on long pants and I've got on a shirt. And I've got a sweatshirt, a hood, a zip-up hoodie. And, and people in Mexico look at me like I'm crazy. But see, they don't know where I'm going. You see, that's the problem, young people. You preparing and planning for tomorrow. And then some people in your life think you're crazy, that you don't know what you're doing. But they don't know where you're going. They don't know what you got to do. They don't know where God's called you at. You got to be prepared for where you're going, not for what other people think. Amen. When I landed in Detroit, I was thankful that the flip-flops was in my suitcase. Because it was April in Michigan. Hello, somebody. Why do I live where my face hurts when I go outside in April? You see, here's what I'm going to say to us young people. Everybody in this church, this ministry needs to grab a hold of it because these young people ain't going away. And I am determined not to be their ceiling. I'm also determined not to be in their way. Nothing should come as such a surprise to us that we are overwhelmed by it. Spiritually speaking, nothing. God wants us to operate in life according to what I'm calling the Joseph factor, which means we got to focus on the consequences of decisions. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Brothers, do not consider that I made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in God. You see, young people, listen to me. There's some things that's happened in your life that you have allowed in your mind to think I'm disqualified for what God wants to do. But there's never, it's never too late to put the past behind you. Grab a hold of today so that tomorrow can be what God has called it to be in your life. But you got to stop fooling around. Young, Young boys, let me tell you something. Halo is not preparing you for tomorrow. It's not. You're going to stand in line for three days to buy a video game machine. You're going to camp out in front of a store all night long to save a hundred bucks. But you're going to bark at Pastor Don when he asks you about two hours on Sunday morning. So don't be mad at me when I don't give you what God gave me. Y'all didn't help me, y'all people. (laughs) Young ladies, let me tell you something. He can't comb his hair or brush his teeth. He don't have the ability to take care of you. He don't. He ain't interested in loving nobody but himself. Tell him go love Jesus, comb his hair, and come back when he gets that done. That's all right. That's all right. You got to think today about tomorrow. This guy's come in my life. He can't even brush his teeth and he's going to want to talk about marrying me? I'm just telling you, think about what is happening in your life and don't allow other people to ruin your tomorrow because you allowed them to mess up your today. Negative. They better walk on. My, 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 my wife's dad used to have this statement. Something, somebody would bother him or something would get up. I love this statement, right? And something would get under his skin and he'd be done with it. He'd just look at somebody and say, you better press on. 
because I ain't got time for your nonsense. I remember David one day, him and David got Lisa's brother, who's about eight years younger than she is. Uh, we were there, and, and David and his dad kind of got into a little, I don't know what it was. It was just a father-son conversation. Hello, somebody. And, and they weren't particularly ha- happy with that. And I remember, I remember uh, Lisa's dad, his name was Don. I remember Don looking at David and said, listen here, boy, I am sick of it. You better press on. And I was like, I'm going to get ice cream. <laughs> I don't even like ice cream, but where's the nearest ice cream store? <laughs> you got to, young people, don't be afraid. Tell people, press on. If they're messing up your today, they sure going to mess your tomorrow up. The favor of God is on your life. And let me tell you something, young people. This is what makes you valuable. Not your education. Not the money you will make in the future. It's the favor of God on your life. That's what makes you valuable. It's God himself saying, I have chosen. I have spoken through all eternity that that one belongs to me. And I have called him for my glory and for my honor. And if you thought splitting the Red Sea was good, if you thought drowning the Egyptian armies was good, you got no idea what's coming with what I'm going to do with them. Watch them pray and watch what I do. The supernatural abilities that God gives you is going to flow through wisdom. Wisdom. That's what gave Joseph the ability to look beyond his present circumstance and make preparation for the next season and the next circumstance. It's coming. It's coming. Listen, do y'all know we're in a season right now? Everybody say yes. Do y'all know another one's coming? Yes. And if our world is going to continue to put idiots in charge. It is up to me and you to lead our communities. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it right now. I, 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 am I the only one that's violated? That when you come into my town that I have lived in for 20 years and loved, that I have put sweat and blood and tears into caring for people and loving people, Am I the only one that when I drive into my town am mad, upset, and angry that I'm greeted by that stupid sign? You know what I say? I say the church should lease the sign and say, Welcome to Centerville. Jesus loves you. That's what I think. Instead of come enjoy your cannabis. My town. Is this your town? My young people. I'm the only one violated by this. I, listen, I done sent some emails and some text messages and say, who do I talk to? Who do I talk to? New people come to my town. This is what they're going to see. As soon as they enter in. If they're going to continue to elect stupid people, it's up to me and you. You ready? You ready? You want to do this? You want to change the world we live in? We live in it. I'm asking some questions because this thing's on me. It's on me good. The next season's coming. What will it look like? If this season looks like that, what's the next billboard going to look like? What's the next billboard going to look like? What's the next advertisement we're going to see when we come into our town? To your town. I mean, 
living. It, it used to be something that, that, listen, when the Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, driving by a sign, I'm like, whoa. Whoa. I, I mean, I'm set, I, draw, I got my truck, and I drove to the parking lot so that I could get a good view of it, and I said, I rebuke you, devil. Robbing my young people. Robbing life. Stealing. But of course, that's just my opinion. But Proverbs 16, 16 says better, better, better to get wisdom than gold. We live in such a time in this country where changes are happening continually. And the question isn't if they're going to happen. The, tr- the question is when we know they're going to happen and which one is next. The anointing of wisdom that we need to tap into to the current uh, uh, the events that are happening, the currents that are moving, right, to be able to discern where they're going so that we can change and adapt to them before they reach the surface and cause all kinds of trouble. Let me tell you something. You may not believe me, but that's trouble. Social media, teaching our young ladies that the only value they have is their body. I, maybe I'm the only one disturbed. But young people, let me tell you something. In this, in this final hour, in this final hour, it's wisdom that you need. It's wisdom that you need. It's the way we destroy fear. Come on. Fear usually comes because something hits us that we were unprepared for. Come on. Fear hits, I wasn't prepared for this. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And we're, 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 we're running around like the three stooges in a panic because we weren't prepared right? Wisdom sees ahead, prepares for what's coming, so fear loses its punch. Can I say this? Here's here's some good Bible for you. Joseph didn't stop the famine from coming. Here's some more good Bible for you. God didn't even stop the famine from coming. Let me tell you something, young people. There's some things that are coming that God ain't stopping. But God needs some people who are prepared. God needs some people who are prepared because he's not going to stop it. Amen. He's going to prepare some people to walk us through it. Are you with me? But listen, he gave Joseph, he gave him wisdom to prepare for it. I want you to own this. Faith is a practical thing. Come on, church. When I give my tithe, that's a practical faith. I'm sowing into the kingdom. When I, when, I, when I come to church, that's a practical faith. When I sit down in the mornings to read my Bible, that's a practical faith. When I show up on Tuesday morning to pray, that's a practical faith. I'm doing something with practicality to connect what I am physically with what I'm believing God is doing spiritually. Practical aspects, tangible aspects of it. That's what God is doing. He's helping us prepare can't live in this world where you just think that, well, I'm just living by faith. God's going to take care of me. God's got it all under control. I'm not worried about anything. It'll all work out in the end. I don't want to be cruel this morning, young people, but that's foolishness. 
Is God sovereign? You better say yes. Come on. Say yes. But let me tell you where God was sovereign. He was sovereign in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was sovereign in the lion's den with Daniel. He was sovereign with Joseph. He was sovereign with King Josiah. He was sovereign with young David. He was sovereign in their struggles. God didn't remove the lion or the bear. God put David in front of him and said, I'm with you. Slay your enemy. Y'all better slay it. I got you. Y'all better slay it. God was sovereign with David in front of Goliath. God was sovereign with David as Saul pursued him. Come on, I need you to grab a hold of something, young people. The sovereignty of God is pursuing you because there's a call on your life. God's not as interested in removing your struggles as he is helping you walk through it and giving you wisdom, not only so that you get through it, but so those around you get through it. Joseph didn't stop the famine. God didn't stop the famine, but God gave Joseph wisdom. Wisdom. Faith in God doesn't relieve us from the use of common sense. And that whole church should have just said amen, but. You know, there were five virgins that were left out in the cold. Anybody want to tell me why? That's a good statement. It's a true statement. But let me carry it a little bit heavier for young people. They were left out in the cold because they weren't prepared. Say amen. But let me take it a little deeper. They were left out in the cold because they refused to prepare. Where are you at, young people? Is God speaking to your heart? Are you refusing the word of the Lord? Are you refusing to prepare? Are you refusing to put your life in God's hand and walk with Him? The Bible calls them foolish because they weren't, not because they weren't virgins, but because they didn't prepare. Not because they couldn't prepare ahead, but because they refused to prepare. The Bible calls them foolish. Remember, Proverbs says that the wise man sees evil coming and he prepares, right? He prepares to get ahead of it. He prepares for the minimal part of it. The Joseph factor isn't about throwing responsibility away. Faith and works are not opponents. I said faith and works are not opponents. In other words, they're not enemies of each other. They're on the same side. They work together. The Bible says that faith without works is and I'm just going to say this to us church there are plenty of prophets in the room and I don't claim to walk in the office of a prophet I'm a pastor I'm stay in my swim lane hello somebody but there is a prophetic edge in my heart I hear things and I sense things that God is speaking. And I need the church to understand, I know we're in a storm. I know we're in a storm. Can I say this, though? 
the storm is greater than high gas prices. The storm is greater than stupid politicians. I got no mercy for them. Grace and mercy is for Jesus. They can see him. They want to give their heart and life to Jesus. I'll talk to them about that. There's a storm coming. And the storm has targeted someone. Young people. The storm has targeted young people. Prophetically, I can see it. Shifting. Let me quickly say that I know prophetically that the greatest days for the glory of the church are just around the corner. And revival is no longer about a set of services that we do. Revival is you. Revival is me. Revival is the people of God. Revivals when God's people stand in the light like Goshen when everybody else is standing in the dark. Come on. I, revival is coming and it's here already, yet we're, we're so programmed oriented about what it looks like or what we think it should look like that we miss it. The greatest days of the church are around the corner. Why? Because God is raising up some young people to walk in wisdom so that he can apply his anointing and his power to their wisdom so that they can flow in everything of who he is. And the church has no business, no business not preparing or getting in the way or opening the door for them. I want to promote readiness in this ministry to stir us to wisdom, to look ahead and take the steps to prepare for what's coming. The Joseph factor is what we need. There's an anointing of wisdom that God is imparting to our young people today. And we are to be the one to foster it. We are to be the one to raise it. We are to be the one to care for it. We are to be the one to encourage it. The physical world we live in, but what's happening in the natural? It can't stop the awesome and magnificent work of God and what He's doing in the Spirit. It can't. It can't do it. It can't do it. You know, here's what I want to do. Why don't you come, young people? I want you to stand up. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand. Not just our high school group, young people, I want you to stand. All over this church, wherever you're sitting, I want you to stand. Stand. I want you to stand. And I need you to know, I don't know what other preachers or pastors are doing. Not my business. I don't lead that church, I lead this one. I don't know what other eldership teams are doing. I don't know how they interact. But our eldership team does life together. And we talk about what God is doing with us, with our lives, spiritually, physically, financially, and emotionally. There is not a part of what this eldership team is that isn't connected to what we do together in church. And so I'm going to ask my eldership team to stand with you. Ladies, wives, stand. 
This church has something incredibly valuable that a lot of other churches don't have. Standing all over this building right now is something greater than the property we own, the buildings we build. Come on, church. Standing in this room right now is our most valuable asset because everything that leads to tomorrow goes through today. This church, we are responsible for tomorrow. This is what we do. Young people, you've got to embrace today if you want the fruits of tomorrow. And with your eldership team standing with you in this moment as your pastor, here's what I want to say to every young person in this room. Listen to me. You are our Joseph factor. You are our ingredient that makes a difference. And you don't belong to anybody else but us. And you'll forgive me if I get violent about you. You are the ingredient that's producing a result that God has called us for. I should have got amen from the church, but you don't even know what to do with it. You don't even know what to do with it. I want to prophesy, and I asked the elders if I could do it. And I asked them if they would stand while I did this this morning. I want the church to hear us as a team speak over you. And I want to prophesy this right now over every one of our young people. 2022 is producing something of greatness in you. And every physical and spiritual attack on your faith is working for you. It's producing a boldness and a power in you that you've never known. And so this morning, I want to prophesy an increase of wisdom in your life. It's the one thing that God said, ask me and I will give it to you with liberty. I'm not prophesying money, fame, or fortune, prosperity, or good times, or easy moments in your life. I want to prophesy over you right now wisdom in the name of Jesus. Solomon at a young age could have asked for anything he wanted. God said, whatever you want, I will give it to you. Name it. And instead of asking for wealth, instead of asking for prosperity, instead of asking for kingdoms, he said, God, give me wisdom. At a young age. I'm going to speak this over you that while other people are going down, God's going to lift you higher than ever before. What the enemy is meaning for evil in your life is going to backfire in his face. I believe it. I'm speaking to you this morning because as an eldership team, we believe that there is a turning of the scales in the spiritual realm. There's a divine turning in your life. In your life, God is turning the scales. And he is making things work in your favor. And so I want to prophesy that you get bolder. 
that you get more expressive in your life with Jesus. Because I believe that right now God is speaking to us and it's going to be young men and young women of God who are more expressive and more bolder in the Holy Ghost than ever before. I'm speaking that over you right now in Jesus' name. The days of old people doing church is over. It's our turn to cheerlead. I'm going to prophesy that what the enemy has been trying to do in you is going to catapult you into a youth revival like the world has never seen. Years ago, God gave us a vision to plant churches. How will we do that? And this church needs to understand this is how we do it. At least this is the way we see it. Young people. I said, I, I said years ago, I want to plant a church with some 20-somethings, year olds. And somebody said, that'll be a mess. Why? It's not like I'm not going to be there. <laughs> and if it is, let's just make a mess for Jesus. At least we'll get somebody's attention. And so I want to speak to us this morning as a church, and I want to prophesy over our church and our young people that there's a church rising up out of us. That is a no compromise, bad to the bone, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, no sleeping with the world church. And the devil has no defense against you. He has no defense against you. There are coming days of revival that I have read about all my life. Revivals that Smith Wigglesworth, he used to raise the dead. Revival that his mind couldn't comprehend. A man who used to see a dead corpse, pray for it and it would raise to the dead. A man who could resurrect the dead used to pray about a coming revival that he would see. He could only imagine. And I want to tell the church, those days are here. Those days are here. Those days are here. We're in the last day and visitation. And it's not even in full measure yet. There's an increase coming. The young people, it's up to you how much of it you want. It's up to you how much of the glory of God you want to walk in. You have not because you ask not. You are Firm Foundation Ministries, Joseph Factor. You are Firm Foundation Ministries, Joseph Factor. You're the ingredient for the outcome. And I want to say this to you young people. Not everybody's going to answer my call. But if we don't have you, we don't have a future. And Jesus just will come back today. But we do have you. We have you. Where other churches don't, we have you. This eldership team standing with you has promised to give you everything you need, spiritually, physically, and financially. I will fight hell. I will fight devil himself for who you are. I will be mad for you about a message on a sign. 
I'll probably get some emails about it, but guess what? I don't care. That's my response. I don't care. I care about them. I care about them. I care about them. If I give my life to anything, why wouldn't I give it to them? If no one ever knows my name, my intent is that they know yours. You are our factor. And this morning, I want you to just hold your hands up to heaven. Will you, young people? And let us pray for you. Father, in this place today, transition has happened. Once again, God, you have blessed us with a room full of young people. God, we say forgive us for not putting priority and value on that. Help us, God, invest in who they are and what you're doing in their life. In this room right now, God, I know there are some Daniels. Men of wisdom, women of wisdom. In this room, there are some Deborahs. In this room, God, there's some Shadrachs, some Meshachs, some Abednegoes. In this room, God, there are some young people who have not yet bowed the knee and do not intend to. In this room, God, there are prophets and prophetesses. Lord, there are teachers and preachers, God. Lord, in this room, there are evangelists. There are apostles, God. Lord, in this room, there are pastors. In this room, God, there are young people that you have put your favor on, and we pray for them right now. You have given them to us, and we celebrate them. And we say as a church right now, Satan, you can't have them. They belong to God already. They've been dedicated to him. And they're covered by his blood. They're surrounded by his angels. They're protected by his spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. And every assignment that you have against their life, we come against it right now. We take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and we cut them loose from every scheme of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We cast out every evil influence in their life, God. And we ask you, God, not to leave them with a vacuum, but to fill it, God, with your spirit and your presence, Lord. So powerful, God, that you give them dreams, God, that you give them visions, God. Lord, that you let them lay hands on the sick and let them see them recover. God, that you let them lead people to Christ. They are our factor. And we celebrate them today as we celebrate you, Jesus. We pray, God, that you put a fire in their spirit, a fresh fire, a fresh fire, and give them a desire and a hunger for that fire, Lord, that leads them to a passion of you. Do it, God. Come on, church. Come on, young people. Come on. Hallelujah.